welcome back to another episode of College Football with Forno. I'm your host, Tyler Fornis, and we had quite the interesting week last week in the landscape of college football. And let's start off with the biggest elephant in the room, and that is the Tennessee Volunteers losing to the Georgia Bulldogs by a score of 27-13. to 13. Now, I had a, a lot of personal money put on the Tennessee Volunteers. I really thought they were going to be able to go in there and take advantage of Georgia and their inconsistent play. But what I did not see happening was Georgia just looking at Tennessee and saying, hey, we're just going to outdo you. And Kirby Smart told uh, CBS Southern reporter Jenny Dell uh, before the game, or after the game, I can't remember. He said verbatim, we're Georgia. You adjust to us. And they just went out there and played their game and kicked absolute ass doing it. Um, Tennessee was really not able to establish anything on the ground or through the air. And the spacing that they used just did not help them nearly as much as you would have liked to see. Because obviously their idea is, hey, we're going to put our receivers way out right outside the numbers. Opens up lanes for our RPO rushing attack. And we can get vertical and be explosive. Well, that didn't exactly work for the Volunteers. They struggled in this game. And they were able to move the ball a little bit in the fourth quarter. But it was a little too little too late. Too many mistakes. Too many missed opportunities. And Georgia, quite frankly, punched them in the mouth. And because they punched them in the mouth, it ended up being uh, the death blow potentially to the playoff chances of Tennessee, but they did come out fifth in this week's playoff rankings. And because they came out fifth in the playoff rankings, it may, it, it's going to make a massive difference for them to get in as a one loss team. They have wins over Georgia or sorry, Alabama and LSU, both of whom are top 10 teams. They destroyed Kentucky and they did not play so abysmally bad against Tennessee that it's going to be a, major detriment to them potentially making uh, the game. So I really expect Tennessee, if they win out to make the college football playoff, the playoff committee loves them some SEC. And this was a game where I think Tennessee is going to learn a lot from and defensive coordinators are going to see, Hey, this is how we can beat them. Not a lot of defenses are going to have the dudes that Georgia has. And I think that was the key. Their corners are able to run with those receivers. Their defensive line is able to get pressure on their own without blissing. Those little nuanced details are able to make a big, big difference when it comes to playing the football game. Um, and I really think that Tennessee has a shot to beat Georgia in a second matchup because I think they're going to learn from it. But Georgia could also just outdo them again. So... If they end up playing in the college football playoff, I think it'll be a very interesting game. But I'm not 100% sold on the fact that it's going to be a quality game if they end up getting to that point. But Georgia proved that they could stay consistent, and they are one win away from clinching a spot in the SEC title game representing the east side of the conference. Now... As we continue to move forward throughout the rest of the year, it'll be interesting to see if Georgia makes the SEC title game and loses. Let's say they lose to LSU. LSU just beat Alabama. We're going to talk about that in a second. Does the two-loss LSU SEC champion make the college football playoff? 
we are going to be in for some interesting debates with this playoff this year because there is nothing but uncertainty other than Georgia's probably making it. The Pac-12 could easily Pac-12 themselves, or they could have 11-1 USC versus 11-1 Oregon for the Pac-12 championship winner gets a playoff spot. We really do not know at this point, and that's what I find incredibly fascinating about this whole thing. Um, we also have Clemson, who lost to Notre Dame. They didn't just lose. They got slaughtered. 35-14, to 14, it really wasn't close. Notre Dame was 14-0 going, going into the fourth quarter, and then outscored them 21-14. Clemson is in a state of disarray on their own. TCU is undefeated. Michigan's undefeated. But we're going to talk about Ohio State right now. They stay undefeated after getting down 7-0 early to Northwestern, beating the Wildcats 21-7. to Now, when you hear that score, you're like, whoa, how in the world did Nebraska or Northwestern keep it close? They're a terrible football team. Yes, they are 1-8 on the season. Their only win coming against Nebraska in week one. Sorry, week zero. <sighs> Let me tell you. It's a yawn right there. The biggest thing with Ohio State in Northwestern, 40-plus mile an hour wing gusts, there was a video that they showed on game day before the game started of Ohio State's kicker just trying to hit a 45-yard field goal. The wind was so strong that it absolutely stopped it in midair, and it just fell to the ground. Not, oh, we're going to slow it down, and it's just going to fall short. No, it like it was almost like it hit a wall and dropped. It was ridiculous. I've never seen something like that before. And I, I think that needs to be taken into account when you're talking about the context of this game because Ohio State still dominated the football game after the first couple drives by Northwestern. They figured it out, and they were able to make a big impact. Now, when you take a look at at the kind of the landscape, Michigan destroyed Rutgers, but the weather was fine at Piscataway, New Jersey. It was not fine in Evanston, Illinois. And I don't think that'll hurt Ohio State much at all because when they talk about the context of the game, look, <laughs> Northwestern threw for 79 yards. Okay. CJ Stroud threw for 76. It's okay in 40 mile an hour plus wins to not have a successful passing attack. What else are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to move the ball through the air? And this is where in a weather game, when you have the dudes, you can overcome some of those circumstances. And that is exactly what Ohio State did. Now, they have a couple of tough challenges coming up. The main one, though, is going to be Michigan in two weeks where they face them in their last game, but they're hosting Indiana this weekend at Maryland next weekend, which could be a good football game. Maryland's a good team. Finishing off at home against Michigan, that could be a de facto elimination game for the college football playoff, but we still have a long way to go. Tennessee has to win out. The Pac-12 cannot Pac-12 themselves. TCU needs to win out. That's going to be make it an elimination game. Anything kind of wonky happens, we could see Tennessee, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State in some variation. That's, that's what we could see. And it's something that we need to uh, start getting our brains accustomed to because it wouldn't shock me if TCU loses to uh, Texas this weekend because Texas is a damn good football team with a record that does not reflect how good they actually are. The Pac-12, 
like USC's got to play UCLA and Notre Dame. And then if they make the championship game, which Utah has to lose one more Pac-12 game because Utah is the tiebreaker over USC. Yes, Utah has two losses, but one of them is to Florida. So that doesn't count as far as the aggregation to make the championship game. Oregon lost twice to Utah last year. Yes, Dan Landing's the coach now, but the style of play Utah utilizes is not conducive to how Oregon likes to play football. I'm very intrigued to see what that would look like. And this could be a very interesting, very, very interesting game. Um, Let's continue on with uh, this past week. Uh, I talked about Clemson, and I'm not going to really talk about it much. 35-14, you can't lose like that. If you want to be a national title contender, you cannot lose like that. And the playoff committee dropped them lower than two loss Alabama, dropping them from four to 12. Bama went from six to 10. Now we know Bama lost you a close game to LSU, which we'll talk about momentarily, but you cannot lose in that bad of fashion that Clemson did. Notre Dame, if they would have beaten Marshall and Stanford like they should have, Notre Dame's in the playoff conversation because they're at 20 right now with three losses, but they've handled their business. They beat a very good BYU team in Las Vegas. They just slaughtered Clemson. The Marcus Freeman era, after feeling like it was off to a rocky start, is actually in a very good place. Now, if they can hit the transfer portal up for a quarterback, maybe get a wide receiver in there, you're talking about a Notre Dame team who's going to have dudes on defense, and now you can have dudes on offense. I'm very excited about the future for the Marcus Freeman program, plus they're the number two recruiting class in the country. Notre Dame's in a good spot. Clemson, eh, not so much because Dabo Sweeney absolutely refuses, refuses to go outside of the building to bring in talent, whether that be on the coaching staff or in the player front. Use the transfer portal. Oh, hey, there's a five-star former cornerback. Let's go get him. Dabo's like, no, I don't want to. Why? It'll make the team better. No, I'm good. It's that stubbornness that's going to prevent Clemson from getting back to the top of the mountain. You know who's back at the top of the mountain? Brian Kelly. Good for Brian Kelly. He goes to LSU, gets laughed at for the line, my family, trying to talk Cajun. He has that viral video of him just looking like an absolute old dork dancing with recruits on that platform. He loses his first game to Florida State. And ever since then, he's 7-1 and one with the only loss coming to Tennessee. He beat Alabama in his first try at LSU with, in comparison to what it's been the last couple years, a depleted roster. They had a lot of exits coming out of Baton Rouge, including Eli Ricks, who was suited up for Alabama. And that game meant something to Ricks. They talked about it on the broadcast and even mentioned that they had to tell Ricks, you have to play without emotion. Because, you know, you got friends on that team. We know it means something extra to you because you left the program. Ricks played okay. But this was a fantastic football game. If Alabama can hit a two-point conversion, this is a whole different outcome. Because of that, now all of a sudden you have a, 30, uh, a 24-24 game going into overtime. And 
LSU, after Alabama scores a touchdown, Jaden Daniels makes it happen real fast. Like, okay, let's go for two. They do a little sprint out to the right, throw to the young tight end, uh, Mason Taylor. And if you don't know who Mason Taylor is, five-star tight end out of um, St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. Jason Taylor's son. Yes, the Hall of Famer Jason Taylor. That is going to be something to watch because Brian Kelly can recruit. Look, we give him a lot of grief. He's done a tremendous job with this LSU program, and he's not getting a lot of talk for it. I would make Brian Kelly my coach of the year. Tremendous job considering what he was inheriting from Matt Orgeron and what kind of exodus was coming out of the program. Good for Brian Kelly. You're going to represent um, the SEC East in the championship game unless Ole Miss beats Bama and LSU loses. Good for Brian Kelly. He's earned all the respect and admiration for the job he's done so far. Same with Sonny Dykes. You have TCU at 9-0, beating Texas Tech 34-24. Duggan did not have the best game, but Kendra Miller, 158 yards and a touchdown. They could not throw the ball nearly as well as they wanted to, only 195 yards to the air, but they got it done on the ground. And they came back from a 17-13 deficit. That was heading into the third quarter. And he outscored Texas Tech 21-7. Covered the spread. This TCU team is for real, but I worry about them when they face a very good defensive team that can also score. If they face Ohio State, Ohio State's going to win by 20. And it's not a slide on TCU. They're just too one-dimensional. I would love to see TCU in the playoff. I think it'd be fun to have some new blood. I also fear it's going to end up being like Michigan State or Washington against uh, Alabama and just a slaughter. And that's the tough part. You want new blood, but the new blood ain't always good. I fear TCU is going to end up being one of those teams. Now, they can prove me wrong with a dominant display against Texas this weekend. Texas, great football team. Look, their record doesn't uh, reflect it, but they have 7.9 wins, uh, second order wins, which is a stat uh, invented by Bill Connolly with his SP Plus rankings to determine how good a team actually is versus what their record shows. Because sometimes the record is a little bit of a mirage. Sometimes your record is better than who you are. Sometimes it's worse than who you are just because you got unlucky, like a Hail Mary. Like, Troy lost to App State. Hail Mary. Second order wins on that one. Going to look a lot better than that L in the actual win-loss column. And that's where you can really start to identify some uh, strengths and weaknesses. I like TCU's chances against Texas, but I don't love it. I think it's going to be a tremendously close game. And Vegas has it. Minus seven for the Longhorns. So the Longhorns, seven-point favorites. That's... I wonder if TCU is going to look at that as a slight. It's going to be interesting to watch. Another team that's also very fun to watch is the Oregon Ducks, 49 to 10, covering 31 and a half against Colorado. Look, Colorado's bad, and Oregon scored every which way. They did whatever they wanted. Bonex, two rushing, two passing, a one receiving touchdown. He continues to strengthen his case to be the Heisman Trophy winner. 
great stuff from Knicks and the Oregon Ducks. Great stuff. Um, a couple Pac-12 after dark games. USC barely holds on to beat Cal. USC has scored 40-plus points in every game except in Corvallis, and they did it again here, 41-35. Look, they needed Caleb Williams to do Caleb Williams things because Cal kept driving, and they kept scoring. Jack Plummer, 35-49, 4-0-6, and three touchdowns. They made this way more of an entertaining game than it should have been. Very good stuff. USC needs to tighten it up. They have UCLA this week, or next not this week, next week, and then Notre Dame after that, but they get a buffer game in Colorado, and they should just slaughter Colorado. It's going to be interesting to see how USC stacks up against those teams, especially the Notre Dame defense. That is going to be one of the best matchups of the year. Notre Dame's great against the pass. So is U- and USC's great at throwing the football. Who wins? That'll be really fun. Another close game, which looked closer at the end, then it should have UCLA beating Arizona state 50 to 36. Look, Arizona state fought. They scratched and clawed and they got close, but they just weren't able to get it over the top. 50 to 36, the final score. It was 42 to 36 before UCLA put them away with a long touchdown run. Look, DTR and Chip Kelly have this team rolling on offense. They are figuring everything out. They know how to run the football. They know how to maximize the the passing attack. And DTR is doing a great job complimenting Zach Charbonnet, who didn't even play in this game, but it didn't matter. They just whipped Arizona State, and they put them away. Texas and Kansas State, what a good game this was. Texas figures out a way to win after entering halftime up 27 to 10. They win 34, 27, sorry, 31 to 10. They they end up winning the game 34, 27. Uh, Bijan Robinson, 209 yards and a touchdown. I'm really intrigued by why Quinn Ewers like stat numbers are as low as they are. They don't seem to really be focusing as much on throwing the football as they should, but they're able to run the football and they're able to play defense. This team is way more talented than its record shows. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that Quinn Ewers was injured. They just were not able to do what they needed to do with Hudson card. And it's hard to blame them for it because Quinn Ewers is a special type of talent. He needs time to keep growing and develop, but he knows how to play the game of football. I am very bullish on this Texas team moving forward and it's too bad Bijan won't be here next year because, oh, Bijan in this Texas offense for one more year would be fun. But Kansas State did not give up. Adrian Martinez made it a game at the end because, like, I misspoke earlier. It's 31 to 10 at halftime, not 27. They scored 17 of the final 20 points to make it a game, but it just wasn't enough. Kansas State, they've had some really good games this year but they just haven't been able to finish opponents off, and that's why they're 6-3 and three instead of 8-1. and one. Utah beat Arizona 40-25. to 25. I thought the Wild... Sorry, 45-20. to 20. I thought the Wildcats would be able to cover in this game. I was wrong. The Wildcats just were not any, any sort of good matchup um, for uh, the Utes. Um, there is a receiver for Arizona you need to keep your eye on. Tetairoa McMillan. 6'4", 200-pound true freshman. Jane Delora found him 
frequently. Look. Delora played a very good football game, but it just wasn't quite enough. Um, 10 of 20 for 159. Like They were able to get some stuff going, but Utah's defense really shut them down. And Arizona needs to win the rest of their games in order to become bowl eligible. But this was always going to be like a a this the next step in the rebuild. They won a game last year. They won three this year. But they need to be able to take that next step. And that next step is going to be keep bringing good recruiting classes because Jed Fish has these guys in the top 25. This is a good football team. And because it's a good football team, they are going to figure it out, but they just don't have the dudes quite yet. They have the coaching staff. They have core players in place. And they're going to be able to keep building this thing out. Penn State beats Indiana 45-14 on the backs of their rushing game. Katron Allen and Nicholas Singleton were both excellent in this game. Allen had 86 yards and three touchdowns. Singleton had 73-1. and one. Look, th- they gave Drew Aller some run in this game, and Aller threw two touchdowns. Clifford, 229 in an interception, which I want to say thank you because if you would have had a good game, I would have lost in Thorne Eichram's 50-teamer, and I am now in the quarterfinals. Look, this Penn State team, they're going to be very good, and they're going to lose to Michigan and Ohio State. They need to take that next step, and the next step is replacing Sean Clifford, a quarterback, Drew Aller. You have two stud running backs for the next three years. Utilize them. Get a couple receivers in here because you're going to have guys like Parker Washington, Mitchell Tinsley. They're going to be moving on to the NFL. Take advantage of the fact that you have skill players around you. Maximize them. Penn State just hasn't quite done that. Why? Sean Clifford is your quarterback. It's just not going to work when Sean Clifford's your guy. But this is the path that James Franklin has taken. He is not going to listen to outside noise. He's going to do whatever the hell he wants. And unfortunately, whatever the hell he wants is not best for his football program. All it shows is loyalty. And if you're loyal to the wrong people, you can get canned. Michigan State figured out a way to get to 4-5 and five with a 23-15 win over 16th-ranked Illinois. Look. Chase Brown just was not able to carry this team like you would have wanted to. Tommy DeVito and Isaiah Williams did a great job connecting for five for 98 and two touchdowns, but they're just, they just weren't able to overcome a Michigan State team who's playing with a vengeance. And Michigan State isn't very good, but they can bust out games like this. And Illinois has some work to do if they want to represent the West in Indianapolis. North Carolina struggled early against Virginia, was able to put them away in the second half, 31 to 28. They also lost me a bunch of money because I thought with uh, Wicks and Thompson out for Virginia that we would see North Carolina be really be able to take advantage. No, they couldn't. <clears throat> it didn't matter. Um, Virginia, uh, Brennan Armstrong, I thought was going to be really fun, and he's turns out he's just bad. Uh, but Drake May, Heisman Trophy candidate. You, you can put that in the bank. Kansas. <clears throat> Good old Kansas. 37-16 win over Oklahoma State. Look, this game wasn't even close. Um, Spencer Sanders was out, so Rangel, true freshman, got the start. He struggled early, but finished 27-40, 3-4, and two touchdowns and two picks. Look, pretty good game once he got into rhythm, once he got things going, but... 
By that point, the game was over because it was 24-7 at the half. Uh, Devin Neal, over 330 total yards combined, one touchdown. Incredible game for Neal. Won a lot of people some money this week if you had him in DraftKings. But Kansas. Kansas, Kansas. Already more than double their win total. Are going bowling at 6-3. and three. Good on Lance Leipold. Tulane beats Tulsa to improve to 8-1. and one. Look, Tulane is good. Tulane's very good. They're probably going to get a New Year's Six Bowl. And they have been fun all year. Michael Pratt is a legit um, prospect at the quarterback position, and I'm excited to see how things work out for him. Uh, let's kind of wrap up the rest of the top 25. Syracuse loses to Pitt 19-9. Looks Syracuse, once they... Lost to Clemson, they just kind of unraveled. And it's it's unfortunate because Dino Babers had these guys rolling and believing in themselves. The injury to Garrett Trader did not help matters because he got hurt in the Notre Dame game. Carlos Del Rio Wilson stepped in and played well. But in this game, he was 8 of 23 for 120. Not great. And Sean Tucker, they're still only giving 10 carries, but they couldn't get anything going on offense. They had 145 yards against Pitt. That's it. 145. Woof. That is not good, and you cannot be doing that if you want to win football games against decent opponents. But this was the dangerous uh, part of of Syracuse is because they had this in them, and it's really unfortunate because Garrett Trader is playing really, really good football. UCF. UCF ended up beating Memphis 35-28. Look, good on UCF. They figured it out. Good on UCF. It was a tie game going in the fourth, and they put them away. NC State beat Clemson. Sam Harmon's just having a rough time. Continues to turn the football over. Six interceptions over the course of the last two games. Obviously, Wake um, had the turnover frenzy against Louisville last week. Slow mesh doesn't always work, and you're kind of seeing it. It like NC State doesn't have a quarterback, and they're they're now seven and two without Devin Leary. Like, pretty impressive work by the Wolfpack. Let's kind of take a look here moving forward. Um, we're getting a Friday night USC versus Colorado matchup on FS1, 8:30 Central kickoff. I like the fact that they're going to be playing on Friday night because it gives us something to do. My wife is going to hate that I'm watching this game, and I don't care. It's going to be a, a good freaking time. Ohio State and Indiana play this weekend. Now, Indi- Ohio State right now is a 40-point favorite. Indiana could sneak up and cover this one pretty decently, or Ohio State could win by 60. You you just don't know what the puck is. That's one I'm trending to stay away from. 40 is just a little too high with the inconsistency of Ohio State in the first half. And Indiana was competitive as hell with Michigan. So that's going to be an interesting one. Tennessee versus Missouri. That's where Tennessee needs to get back on the right track. Put up a 50-burger. Hendon Hooker throw for 400 yards and just kick these guys' butts. Um, Eli Drinkwitz just got the extension. That'll be an interesting one. LSU and Arkansas. LSU, they're riding high. Arkansas is a bitter rival for the Tigers. Are they going to be able to keep their composure? That's going to be a question that has to be answered. I genuinely don't know. 
Notre Dame takes on Navy. Look, it's always fun when Notre Dame takes on Navy because weird things happen. That'll be one you want to keep your eye on. Michigan, Nebraska, 2.30 Central Time. Blake Corum is a Heisman contender. 1187 yards, 16 touchdowns on the ground. Can he put together a Heisman moment? Because that's what Hendon Hooker currently has. And even though he's dropped to plus 290 uh, in the props for, for the Heisman Trophy, I still think you have to consider him a favorite just because he can turn it around real quick. Alabama Ole Miss is probably game one of the two games of the day, uh, 2.30 CBS. If Ole Miss wins this game, they still have a chance to make the SEC championship game. They just need one LSU loss, and that could come against Arkansas. Clemson takes on Louisville. I don't think that'll be very entertaining at all. Um, I just I don't like Louisville. Um, I don't like uh, um, Cunningham, Malik Malik Cunningham. He's I don't think he's very good, and that offense is super gimmicky. Um, and Clemson's defense, I think, will just be able to shut him down. UCF Tulane, only a one-and-a-half point spread in favor of Tulane. That could end up being a very good football game. Washington, Oregon as well, 6 o'clock on Fox. TCU in Texas is going to be the one everybody's going to want to tune into. And then North Carolina, Wake Forest could also be a really good game. Wake is favored by three-and-a-half. And Sam Hartman can air it out, but Drake May has turned himself into a Heisman contender. Really Really good football player. And if I end up making the semifinals of the 50-teamer, I may have to face Drake me again as he cost me the division championship by putting up a 50-burger. Look, there's going to be some interesting games. Arizona-UCLA headlines the Pac-12 after dark. I love watching Arizona play football, and UCLA is starting to figure it out as far as being consistent. Jaden Delora has almost 3,000 yards passing and 22 touchdowns on the season. Arizona's going to give them a fight. Can they stay within 19 and a half? With UCLA's defense, it's possible. But Arizona's defense is very, very, very bad. And UCLA can score on anyone. So that that could at least be a fun, bad football game, which is one of the best parts of Pac-12 after dark. Meantime, thank you all for listening. I cannot believe week 11 is already here, but continue to keep an eye on what we have going on at Fantasy Points because we have some fun stuff coming with bowl season. and. We're going to be talking a lot more props for both the college football playoff and the Heisman Trophy. Make sure you tune in. My Against Spread article will be live on Friday morning with seven more plays. And we're going to be looking to to get over 500 for the first time in a couple weeks. Take care.